Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Episode of the Championship Roundtable podcast. You can reach the show by tweeting us on our new Twitter handle at Championship Pod. I'm your host, Louis Shackshaft. I'm a Sheffield Wednesday fan, and you can reach me on Twitter at Louis Shackshaft. Hi, I'm Andy Buckley Taylor, uh, representing Derby County on the podcast uh, on Twitter at BuckTaylor64, and I also do a blog, the Derbyshire Times Group of Newspapers. Hi, I'm Kevin. I'm the editor of Leeds Mad, uh, Twitter handle LeedsUnited underscore Mad. I represent Leeds um, on a weekly, daily basis, and um, I enjoy doing this part very much. Thank you for joining me today, guys. Um, firstly, I'd just like to say we've got a birthday boy on the podcast, so happy birthday to Andy. Um, happy birthday, Andy. Yeah, happy birthday, mate. We don't. I'm not going to reveal your age on the podcast, but you know, um, <laughs> it's a it's a it's a pleasure having you with us today. Um, but what we're going to do is thank uh, you, guys. <laughs> now you're very welcome. You're very welcome. Like I say, it's a pleasure. Uh, but firstly, we're going to go straight into the topics. Um, so with Christmas fast approaching, and obviously the halfway stage of the season, um, just before Christmas Day, um, we're just wondering. Who do you think has been the manager of the season so far? If we start with you, Andy. Um, well, looking beyond my own team, because I think um, Gary Rowett is within, in with a shout of uh, that title. Uh, I think Bristol City, Lee Johnson, I think he's done an absolutely tremendous job there. He, uh, in the past, he's had them um, in the higher echelons of the division. But he, he's lost players uh, such as like Jonathan Codger, and uh, last season he had a bit of a struggle uh, to readjust the team and introduce new faces. And in fact, this season he's without one of his main players from last season, Tammy Abraham, who hasn't returned on loan. But uh, he's managed to assemble yet again uh, a team that's performing very well. Uh, another good win yesterday. Uh, against our rivals from across Brinecliffe Way. And they just seem to be doing it, you know, week in, week out. And uh, I, I think he's, he's assembled what you'd term as a, a, a very well-balanced team there. And uh, he, he'd certainly, if, if they stay uh, in the top six, he, he would be one of the... Uh, Best shouts, I think, for manager of the year if, if it stays like this towards the end of the season. And, uh, you know, I'll take my hat off to him. He, he's followed in his uh, father's footsteps as a manager. And I, I believe his father was also a previous Bristol City manager. Um, he's also done well at other clubs that he, he's managed. 
And uh, it, it's refreshing, actually, to see a team like Bristol City up uh, at the top of the division. And he's turned them into serious contenders. So, for me, Lee Johnson. Yeah, I can't disagree with you. I mean, obviously, Lee Johnson is, is one of the picks of the bunch, you know, he's, I've watched Bristol City a lot this season and they play some fast attacking football and I think they're probably one of the best teams to watch in the championship this season. Um, so, yeah, Lee Johnson's doing a fantastic job there. What are your thoughts, Kev? Uh, Lee Johnson or anyone else? Yeah, I agree. Lee Johnson, he's, he's done a great job. He, he went through a spell last season, I believe, where he couldn't even win a game. After, you know, I think he lost about eight games in about in ten or something, but... Fair play to the ownership. They sort of stuck with him. I think he had a similar sort of record at Barnsley in League One as well, but he went through a spell of not winning. But he must be a decent guy if people stick by him because, he's, yeah, he's doing a great job there. And it makes our win at Bristol even more unbelievable when we sort of gave him a 3-0 hiding. But that was a, certainly a one-off because we were going through a terrible spell at the time. My personal choice, though, would be, obviously, it's an obvious one, is um, Espirito Santo at, um, at Wolves. He's... He's done a fantastic job. People who say that goalkeepers don't make good managers is obviously uh, quashing that at the moment because they're sort of running away with the league at the moment, I think. Um, somebody described him as the Man City of the Championship last night, which might be a bit over the top, but he's not far away because they seem to be fairly unbeatable at the moment. I mean, he, he did a decent sort of job with Valencia when he was there for a season or so. Uh, didn't pull up any trees with Porto. But uh, obviously Wolves have given him a chance. Of, sort of Wolverhampton's become the a sort of a, a semi-Portuguese town, if you like, really. With so many Portuguese uh, players in the in the squad, and obviously in the ownership and uh, getting um, all the agents sort of getting players in from uh, Portuguese clubs. So I think yeah, he's, to say it's his first season in the Championship, which is one of the hardest leagues in the in the world to, to make uh, an impact. He's done a terrific job in his first season and. Um, I'd be very surprised if they don't, you know, get automatic promotion because you know he's done a he's done a terrific job. But uh, they seem to be rolling teams away at the moment. And um, uh, whilst, like I say, Lee Johnson is doing a great job at City and Rowie at Derby is doing a fantastic job as well. You've also got got a look at uh, Nigel Cuff at Burn. If he if he keeps them in the league for another season, who's to say that? No, he, he, he shouldn't be sort of applauded as well for doing a, a magnificent job there. So there's a few candidates, but uh, for me, I think um, Santa sort of takes it, uh, edges it from everybody else. Yeah, I'm glad you've picked out uh, Clough and Burton as well, because like you say, you, you don't tend to look at the bottom of the table when picking out, you know, managers who are, mm. who are doing exceptionally well. Um, and like you said, last season was as, as good as getting promoted for them by staying up. And if you can yeah. do that again, fair play. But like you said, Santo, obviously another great shout. I know it's easy to pick the team number one in the league, but with the amount of money they spend, it's, it's easy to just fold as well and, and finish mm. halfway in the league. So obviously the overwhelming pressure that they, they have gone out and spent money that, that you know, they're doing everything right at the moment. And I think that Wolves, uh, I could be wrong, but I think they're on course to even go and break some records and finish on potentially more points than any other championships team's done so. Um, but having said that, I'm glad Andy picked out Lee Johnson. I know you've picked out Santo Kev, so I'm going to throw it, and I hate to say it, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to say Neil Warnock. Um, and the reason I'm picking Warnock is because I think they're the surprise element as well as Bristol City this season. Like on paper, they've they've gotten you know a, a team of dare I say it like 
like average championship players um, and, and they're all just collectively performing as a team and I think you've really got to take your hat off to them. It's, it's obviously a, a huge team effort and I think now with us hitting the halfway stage in the season that Cardiff City, you've got to look at them as genuine promotion contenders. So um, fair play to them and I believe that Cardiff City are the only team not to lose at home this season as well and, and as we all know as fans in, in this league, if you can win your home games and pick up what you can away, there's every chance you will get promoted. Um, so, quite rightly so, fair play to those managers that we've mentioned. Um, obviously, Santo, Lee Johnson, Warnock and even Clough at the bottom end. Um, but we're going to flip reverse it now and then the next topic we're going to discuss is obviously when it gets to December and January, a lot of managers tend to get sacked after, you know, the Christmas and New Year. So we just wondered who you think could potentially be next in the firing line. So what are your thoughts, Andy? Um, I think uh, I think there's two or three candidates. Um, your manager's been under a bit of pressure recently. Um, also, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he's a couple of defeats away from the sack. Um, Fulham, Slavisa, Jukanovic, they are this season's big underperformers. Last season, they were uh, attracting all the plaudits with nice, nice attractive football. Um, Towards the end of the season, they forced their way into the playoffs. Didn't quite uh, do it. But uh, this season, they're really, really struggling. In fact, they became the first team to lose at Sunderland in, well, just under a year, wasn't it? And, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, there's going to be pressure on uh, Slavisa. Although, I mean, I was speaking to the uh, the Fulham uh, podcaster from the show, Russ Goldman. He seems to think that the, the ownership um, will give him to the end of the season. But if he's to turn things round, he's got to have a very, very good January and bring in a couple of faces that are going to get them scoring goals, because it seems to be up front that they're really struggling. But uh, the uh, the candidate I'm going to give it to, who I think will possibly be the next one to uh, pick up the P45, is Steve Cottrell at Birmingham. I think Birmingham, yet again, are struggling. They made that monumental error, and, and again, it's uh, round about a year ago, sacking Gary Rowett, you know. Oh, I'm glad they did, right? Because, um, <laughs> you know... Uh, yeah, I bet you are. I bet you are. <laughs> but they, uh, they've sacked him. Uh, Cottrell's the third person in post uh, since that. Since then, um, Harry Redknapp couldn't do anything, spent a lot of money. Um, Steve Cottrell sort of moved in there. I mean, they've got, they got some very good players there. You know, the the likes of Yotta, for instance, but they just can't seem to get going. And I, I think it's uh, the problems there probably go beyond management and more towards uh, what's happening in the background. But they, they seem the, the sort of owners that uh, uh, they appear to be a bit trigger happy. And um, I'm sure, uh, you know, a, a lot of people... I'm going to think that uh, Steve Cottrell possibly hasn't got uh, a lot of time left to change things around. 
No, I think you're right. I mean, I'll, I'll pick up from there because the name I've put down also is Steve Cottrell. Um, and the reason being, they're just on a complete slump at the minute. And to be honest, I just, you know, a, a few months ago, it looked like Bolton were, were going to be the team what finished rock bottom. Well, they've done really well getting out of there. And, you know, they've, they're only two points off the playoffs, and, uh, playoffs, off uh, coming out of the relegation now. Mm. zone now Bolton but yeah I think Birmingham hit a real slump and and they've only picked up two points away from home this season which is is dreadful and and even worse than that they've only scored 11 goals all season so that's only one goal every other game um so yeah Cotterell's the one for me and I think if he was to get sacked that a bit is that the fourth manager this this year I think mm. he is yeah. Um, that 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 could be gone, um, but it's it's interesting that you mentioned Fulham and Sheffield Wednesday, the managers there, because I think, I mean, I talked to, to Russ last uh, week on the podcast, and we both mentioned we, we're, we're both replicating each other at Sheffield Wednesday and Fulham, and I think that both chairmans at both clubs will give their managers till the end of the season, and as much as the Wednesday fans are, are ready and want Carvajal to potentially leave now. And, you know, now would be time for a change. Um, I think, he's, you know, his contract's up at the end of the year and the only way I can see him going is if he resigns. And and I, I just can't see him doing it in the next few months, if I'm honest. Maybe he might do it at the end of January or February if we're still a million miles away. But other than that, like Fulham, I think they'll just both get to the end of the season and then consider this this season a write-off, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts, Kev. What, what do you think? Yeah, there's some interesting names there. I mean, Birmingham was a weird one, because when Birmingham came to Ellen Road, I thought they were, the, they were the lucky not to get a result. To be honest with you, they played really well that night. And Cottrell, for me, seems to be, he seems to be an excellent number two, but as a number one manager, he doesn't seem to cut the mustard, really. And it was, he was the sort of pivotal in keeping Birmingham up with Harry Redknapp last season. You know, he was the brains behind the sort of you know, succeeding to stay up. So, as a number one, I don't think he, he, he sort of manages it himself, really. I think he's, he finds it tough, and he's finding it very tough at the moment, and he will be lucky to be in a job, I think, in the next few weeks if it continues. I mean, I'm going to pick an obvious name for Leeds fans here now. I think Gary Monk at Middlesbrough's under a lot of pressure. Due to the money he spent more than anything, he spent a fortune on strikers, 20, 25 million pounds on strikers, and they're not doing it for him really. And the last few games, they've been sort of very abject and very ordinary. I mean, lucky, lucky for, uh, for Monk really is that um, uh, Steve Gibson, who's in charge of uh, the owner of the club, is very faithful to his managers. I think he will give him time till the end of the season probably as well. But I think, he, you know, he's, he must be looking around his shoulder a little bit, being a, a little bit worried because there was talk about them sort of really cutting this league open at the start of the season and being a top two candidate and they're nowhere near it at the moment. They're sort of uh, 15 points behind Cardiff, which is five games, which is a massive distance at this stage of the season. And they're sort of uh, five points behind the playoffs. I mean, they could still obviously make the playoffs at the end of the season if they start playing well. But I think he's... When they came to Ellen Road, you think that would have been a great game for Monk to sort of prove that he made the right decision in leaving Leeds to join Borough, but they were very ordinary that day, and 2-1 really flattered um, uh, Middlesbrough that day as well. It should have been a lot more to us. Um, so, yeah, I think Gary Monk uh, is a very lucky man that Steve Gibson doesn't really go through his managers as easily as the guy at Birmingham does. Um, so I think even though he's sort of 
tenth in the league at the moment. I think he will get a chance to try and prove himself. But I think he'd be very lucky um, that he hasn't got another owner in charge. Yeah, I think you're right. I think Middlesbrough they, they seem to be winning one, losing one at the minute. They seem to be on that upwards mm. and downwards spiral. And I think, like you say, you know, they're, they're a tenth at the minute and the, the five points off the playoffs. But at the beginning of the season with Wolves, they were they were tipped to be you know, favourites for the league, yeah. uh, really. And I think if it does get to January and, you know, they, they have a, they've they lost their next couple of games and they are, you know, 12th, 13th in the table, Gary, Man, Gary Monk could be in the firing line. So that is another good shout. Uh, but as we keep talking about January, uh, I'm interested to know, obviously, that the transfer window's op- opening from the 1st of January. If you could choose one player from any championship team, um, who would you choose and why? Who would you bring into your club? Just that, that one player alone that, you know, it might be a certain position or it might be somebody what gives you that spark. But if you could choose a player, who would it be? So I'm interested to hear your thoughts, Andy, because obviously we Derby fourth in the table at the minute. Where do you think your weaknesses are or who would you like at your club? Um, a couple of weaknesses uh, in our team. A flair midfielder would be nice which will give us the option of changing formation as well. But also, uh, <coughs> position, not entirely happy with. Um, Craig Forsyth has come in, and to be fair to the guy, the last two seasons he's had two serious injuries, and he's struggling at times to get back to his, 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 the form that we know he's capable of. Uh, the, the, the only other option at the moment we've got is Marcus Olsen, who is you know, a, a real inconsistent player. So it, it's a left-back uh, position that I'd be looking to strengthen that. And uh, I'm going back to Fulham here because Ryan Sessegnon um, is uh, the player that I would go for. You know, if we were, if we could uh, pick anybody out of the league at the moment because he would be filling uh, a need in the team and he'd be bringing something uh, new to the table. Because uh, I know a lot of people prefer him in midfield, but uh, I, I would like him as an attacking left back. It, it's a role that uh, I think if we could strengthen, that uh, we, 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 we would have even more of a chance of maybe gate crashing the top two. And I noticed when we played Fulham, he was um, constantly a threat down that left hand side. Um, I think he's already picked up at England under 21 honours. So, uh, you know, uh, there's obviously he's been noticed by uh, people uh, higher up in the game. Um, I think he's a great, uh, great young player. And if, if and when he eventually moves away from Fulham, um, it's going to cost a lot of money. But uh, it, might, it might surprise some people, but Sessignon is, is a player that I think could... Uh, really turn us into the finished article. Yeah, Sessegnon's a fantastic talent. I mean, I've seen a lot of him this year and I think, like what you said, it's interesting that predominantly they've had him down as a left-back, but when he's played on the left wing and midfield, his his attacking presence is is fantastic at his age. I mean, he grabbed an hat-trick, I believe, didn't he, against Sheffield United and and from then on, he's, you know, in the attacking third, he's, he's just a a force to be reckoned with, really, and he's going to have a real bright future. So 
like you've like you've done, Andy. It's, it's interesting. You've you've picked an area of weakness. So Sessignon's obviously a, a cracking shout. What about yourself, uh, Kev? Who would you, you know, be in favour of of taking to, to Leeds United if you could? Well, we're quite toothless up front at the moment. We've got Ekiban, who's a young striker that we bought in in the summer, who's going to be out injured for another six weeks. Uh, hasn't actually scored for us yet, but he's, uh, he looks quite powerful up front. And I think after a few games, I think he would have been a, a fairly decent striker. But obviously, we'll have to wait a little while longer now. Lasaga's another one. He's on loan from Hamburg at the moment. Uh, he's been out injured uh, or ill for the last sort of six or seven games, and we don't know when he's going to come back. Um, Roof obviously got a hat trick against QPR playing up front last week, which was a terrific hat trick. But uh, I don't think he's the ideal um, solution up front. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'd take one of Andy's players at Derby. Actually, he's got loads of strikers there. I mean, if he could give us one of his strikers, I think we'd be quite happy to take one of them off, off his hands, really. Um, but looking at the opposition yesterday, Norwich, I think Olivier would be uh, an ideal solution. He, he seems a very arrogant type of player, but he's, he's full of little tricks, and he, he's, he's, he does score his fair share of goals as well. When he was at Forest, he, he scored a few goals against us as well, and obviously had a good uh, goals per ratio there, uh, per game ratio, and he played quite well yesterday, I thought. So, uh, Olivier, um, it's slotting nicely into our team, I think, at the moment. But then again, we are so short, short on strikers. You know, I think um, as long as he's an established sort of championship player, it's always difficult to, difficult to get players in January because usually the tight of the clubs and they don't want to give away the best players anyway, especially to championship rivals. So it's always difficult to get decent players in. But if we could get one player uh, to sort of improve the team, it would be a, a striker that could chip in with his fair share of goals. So um, anybody like Olivier would be nice. Or like I say, somebody from uh, Derby that's not being used at the moment will slot in quite nicely as well, I think. Well, it might turn out you get a player on loan from Sheffield Wednesday because the amount of strikers we've got, you know, <laughs> you, you, it's unbelievable. And, and as Andy knows, they've got Sam Winnall from us. So, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's interesting. But it's like you say, a striker in this league is, is worth the weight in gold. I mean, we only look to look at last season what Dwight Gale did at Newcastle and ultimately yeah. his goals alone, you know, they just kept climbing the table and, and, and stayed there basically. So yeah, they're, they're worth the weight in gold. And it's interesting, but I've I've not gone for a striker, even though we're not scoring goals. Um, but I, you know, before the season began, I'd have probably have picked a player like Tom Kenny, who I think is a fantastic talent. But obviously, you know, he's been been injured the majority of the season and, and only just been recently returning to to playing games. Um, so I narrowed it down to two players, which was Aidan Flint at centre-back and Barry yeah. McKay at uh, Nottingham Forest. And I love Flint. If he was at Sheffield Wednesday, it'd, it'd be a fantastic signing. I mean, I think he's actually worthy of playing in the Premier League um, as of maybe, you know, he might, he might get picked out by a, a Premier League club in, in the summer and Bristol City will do really well to hold on to him. But I'm, I'm going to say Barry McKay just simply because... Sheffield Wednesday, one of their weaknesses this season, is has been on the right wing. Um, I mean, Ross Wallace has done really well this last couple of seasons. I think he's got seven goals, seven assists both seasons in the last two years. And this season, I think he's only got the one goal and no assists. So Barry McKay stood out for me because he's, he's 
he's scoring goals. He's got five goals and seven assists this season. And and if we'd have had that, you know, this season, um, this league term, I think that would have been the difference between us being where we are at the minute, which is 15th and maybe six, fifth and sixth in the league. Um, so, yeah, for me, I'm going to pick out Barry McKay. Um, I think he's been fantastic for Nottingham Forest this season and, and quite rightly so. And he's, he's only relatively young, so he's, he's probably going to have a, a great future. And he might be another one when it comes to January and the summer next year that Premier League teams are looking at. Um, but that moves us on into the next stage. So basically, before we review and preview games, I just want to uh, put out there the poll results. Uh, we did from our Twitter handle, at Championship Pod, uh, what was the Skybet Championship win of the weekend? And um, surprisingly, actually, Preston North End's victory 1-0 against Sheffield United received 48% of the votes. In second place, it was Sunderland versus Fulham with 35% of the votes. Um, third place, it was Middlesbrough's victory against Borough uh, with 12% and 5% voted otherwise, and that's probably that's probably the Derby victory, Andy, um, against obviously Aston Villa and um, maybe maybe the Wolves against Sheffield United. But I think we touched on it earlier. Obviously, Sunderland winning at home the first time in the calendar year. So fair play to them because obviously uh, Chris Coleman's seems to slowly be steadying the ship there. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. We're going to review the games now. So if we want to, Andy, just discuss your team, uh, Derby's great victory against Aston Villa, who you beat 2-0, if you just want to talk us through that. Yeah, um, absolutely delighted. Um, it was a good performance uh, all the way through. Scott Carson wasn't overworked in the goal. Uh, in the defence, Chris Baird, ever reliable at uh, right back, is keeping Andre Wisdom out of the team. But in the centre of defence, Richard Keogh gave a defensive masterclass. And this season, Richard Keogh is playing the best football of his career. Um, come the end of the season, when they do the PFA Awards, if he is not in the championship team, I'll, I'll, I'll be absolutely gobsmacked. But uh, Tom Huddleston had his best game in the Derby County shirt since he uh, rejoined us. Joe Ledley did his usual uh, role in midfield, picking up the loose balls, some nice passes. And then on, on to the attack. Um, and Andreas Feynman, who's like a new signing this season uh, under Gary Rowett, did that old trick of scoring against your former team. 
Uh, Matty Vidra turned in from a scorer to supplier because he uh, supplied the cross to um, Vyman to score. And uh, up front, David Nugent uh, didn't get any goals but ran his legs off the whole game. But what was interesting in the game, if you look at the statistics, Aston Villa had over 60% possession. But it's, it's how we ourselves... Um, applied ourselves and uh, the way we didn't allow them to uh, create when they had the ball um, I'm sure their passing um, figures are very high but it's the amount of times that they were forced into passing it sideways or, or backwards and which really stacks the numbers up um, I, I, I realised that they were without uh, a few of their staff players, Henry Lansbury, I think Hutton, uh, John Terry were missing. They they had a midfielder in defence. And Steve Bruce, for, for one reason or another, didn't play a recognised striker up front. But they still, even when they've got four or five players out injured, they still got a very, very strong squad. And uh, the way in which uh, Rowett must have planned for that game, he did his homework. Um, we didn't allow them to play um, the way Steve Bruce would have wanted them to. And we took advantage. And I think 2-0, you know, without trying to sound big-headed, flattered Aston Villa because it could quite have easily have been 3 or 4-0 had it not been for their goalkeeper. So overall, absolutely delighted with the result. Um, I, w- I wasn't confident of beating them um before kick-off, but uh, as more and more as, as the game went on, uh, the, the, we looked the team who was going to, who's uh, the most likely to win. So all in all, absolutely delighted and uh, uh, a good early birthday present. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I'm going to just say that it's a great birthday present for you and, and I think I mean, I watched the Derby game back and they just seem to be growing in confidence as the season goes on. And I don't know if you remember, actually, Andy, I'm not blowing my own trumpet, but I was the one who tipped Derby this season to finishing the playoffs. And I'm putting it out there now. If I was going to pick a team to get promoted this season, it would be Derby County via the playoffs. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't want to jinx anything for you, but I think that, like I said, the growing in confidence, they've got a good little team on paper. They seem to be getting the things what they've, you know, done wrong over the last season. They, they seem to be getting them right now. And, and the, a 2-0 victory against Aston Villa was a real good result. And, and like you said, it's not always about the possession. What I saw was that they were, when they were going forward, it was very free-flowing football and, and they were creating lots of opportunities. But I have got a question for you and it's quite interesting. Obviously, Andreas Weiman scored um, the goal against Villa and I know he spent a lot, lot of time at Villa. Um, and I understand he, he chose not to celebrate. Is that correct? Do you know, I, I never actually... Uh... Never studied whether he celebrated or not. Um, yeah, I, I understand he didn't. I just wondered if... Were you in, are you in favour of a player celebrating or not when they score against their old club? Because there's the old debate where, obviously, you can't win either way. Because if a player does celebrate, they see it disrespect, disrespectful to the 
some fans see it disrespectful to the opposition team. Um, but then when they don't celebrate, a lot of fans say, well, we're paying you so and you know, X amount of money a week. You should, you know, be, <laughs> have the right to, to go out and celebrate. But when a, for me, when a player doesn't celebrate against a team, he still put the ball in the back of the net. And if he chooses not to celebrate because he respects the other team, so be it. But I just wondered what your thoughts were on that with it happening this weekend. I don't mind either way, to be quite honest. Um, it, it's up to that individual player. I mean, we've had a, a we've had a some funny ones with Forest because you know there's a lot of players that's played for Derby and Forest, and a few years ago, Marcus Tudgay scored for Forest against us, but he started his career at Derby. Derby, um, who gave him his chance in the professional game, he didn't celebrate. Now Robert Earnshaw, on the other hand, who had a torrid time at Derby, uh, yeah, he he probably went a bit OTT when he celebrated scoring against us. And um, Chris Commons, another one, um, he, got a lot, he was getting a lot of stick off the Forest fans because he joined us on a, a free transfer from Forest. When he scored against Forest, he celebrated like mad. I suppose, I mean, it all depends on the circumstances and how they left. If you've had a, a, a good career at a team and uh, you move on and you score against them, you know, uh, probably you don't want to rub their noses in it. But on the other hand, if, if it's a team you've left and it's somewhere where uh, you feel that you, you weren't given the best of chances uh, or, or you had, a, you know, an awful time playing for them, you'll, you'll want to celebrate. I mean, last year there was an example when we, when we played Norwich, uh, Bradley Johnson. Now, he didn't celebrate... But he, he looked over towards the then Norwich manager who said he, he wasn't good enough to play in the Premier League and that's why he let him join Derby. And he, he, he sort of gave that look across to the Norwich bench and sort of says, yeah, yeah, you know you know what I mean. But uh, it, it's, it's down to the individual at the end of the day. Um, one of the most surprising ones we had at Derby was um, when Patrick Bamford was on loan. He's a forest lad through and through. Um, he, he went through their academy. He made a couple of appearances for the first team before Chelsea signed them, signed him. And he, he was the, probably the man of the match when we beat them 5-0 the other year. And he celebrated as heavily as anyone. So, you know, it's quite baffling um, uh, what some players think about it. But, you know... Uh, I respect a player if he doesn't want to celebrate against us when he scored against us because he used to play for us. But I wouldn't deny them the right to celebrate either. Yeah, exactly. I think it's player-dependent and it's down to the individual. And, and like Wyman, like I say, I think he's, he spent a total, is it, is it six years maybe at Villa? Maybe even more. Um, so for him not to celebrate, I think it just shows respect. So... I applaud him for that, but he's still, like I say, he's done his job and put the ball back in, uh, you know, put the ball in the back of the net. Um, moving on to Leeds, then, Kev, you had a, yeah. a good one-nil victory against Norwich. I hear that it was, you know, I, I watched the highlights back, and I think the first twenty minutes were a bit of a dull affair. But what are your thoughts about the game? Yeah, very doggy performance, really, against a, a team against Norwich. If you look at Norwich's squad, they're sort of underachieving. I would say they've got a magnificent team, really, but they don't seem to. Be be performing very well. Uh, yeah, Janssen was the hero, really. Got a great uh, header from a Chibiki cross. Chibiki's 
a summer signing that hasn't really had a chance at Leeds. But he made his um, long uh, league debut at QPR coming on as a sub last week and he, he was magnificent. And he continued that um, yesterday with a great cross for the goal. Uh, he looked very effective on the uh, on the wing, um, but Janssen, yeah, great goal by Janssen. And five minutes later, he's um, stopping an, an, an Oliveira chance with a, a great backheader at the on on the line. So, all round performance from Pontus Janssen was magnificent yesterday. I think he was the star man, but um, it's also to Chibiki for a, a decent game. Hopefully. He'll uh, go on a good run of games now. Saez was one of our better summer signings. Had a, had a good game, hit the post. Should have made it 2-0 later on to make it comfortable. It's never comfortable, obviously, when it's 1-0 and you, then you get six minutes of injury time. Uh, <laughs> all the fans start groaning. And obviously, we had the linesman, the same linesman that, that we had at Middlesbrough. We gave the debatable penalty for uh, Middlesbrough. So anything could have happened in those six minutes. But thankfully, we saw it out fairly well. Like I said, four wins in six now, which is a decent return. And we're going to the next games now, Hull City, Burton and Birmingham and Forest, all winnable games. And hopefully by the uh, well, by the time the window opens in January, we'll be still in or, or around the uh, playoff spots, which will be a good uh, thing to be after those wretched uh, run of the games when we lost about, I don't know, six in eight games, I think it was. It was an awful uh, um, time of the season for us we're losing so many games but we seem to have bounced back from that a little bit now and hopefully we can uh, end the year on on a high Yeah right, we're just going to say I think Leeds United are one of them teams who um, they're going to push on now and I think they've had I mean it was November wasn't it roughly where they had that dip when they didn't yeah. win many games and I think obviously they've come out of that slum now and, and seem to be kicking on If if you were going to pick a position in the league standings where they're going to finish at the end of the season, Kev. Where, where do you re- realistically see Leeds United mm. finishing this season? I still see us as a work in progress, really, because obviously the new coach, new players, new systems, everything, uh, the owners doing things off the field as well, that changing the club around. Realistically, though, I think we, still, we should still be aiming for a top six spot because I think we're very capable of beating anybody on our day. But then again, we're capable of going through a bad run as well. So it depends which Leeds United appears for the uh, second half of the season, I suppose. Hopefully we'll learn a lot from the defeats and we'll uh, put that into a, a good position for the last 23, 24 games of the season. Yeah, like you say, it's, it's just such a tough league and like <laughs> you can just... You know, in, whoever you're playing in this league, you can easily win a game as you can lose mm. one. And I, I mean, I personally think that Leeds United should, you know, they should be in the top six again this season. And I think that they ultimately will finish fifth or sixth. Uh, but I'll just touch on the Wednesday game. Obviously, we played Friday night against Wolves, as everyone knows, who are who top of the league. And um, to be honest, it was quite a neutral game. I thought both teams were pretty average, to be honest. Uh, the only positives I can take out of the game is that Sheffield Wednesday pretty much kept Wolves at bay. They didn't have too many opportunities, but a moment of brilliance from Ruben Neves. If you've not seen that goal, it was a very yeah, precise terrific, 25-yard yeah, yeah. yeah. placement. He, he practically passed it with power, obviously, mm. in, into the bottom corner, posting in. And, and that was how, as much as I can sum the game up, it was quite even. A draw maybe have been fair at the end, but... That's what £15 million gets you, you know. And they've took, obviously, another three three points and, and keep on climbing. The, the, the disappointing thing from a Wednesday perspective, again, is we've only had one shot on target. I mean, we came out 
second half and played what I thought a lot better. We probably edged the second half, but you know, unless you, you know, if you're not scoring goals, then it doesn't matter. You're not going to walk away with any points, and 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 that summed it up for me. I thought it were pretty even, but that moment of brilliance did it for Wolves, and and that's you know, if if you can win ugly like they have done on Friday night, that's you know, all the more reason that they're going to get promoted. Uh, but we'll move on to previews and predictions now. So back to you, Andy. I understand Derby take on Millwall on Saturday. So what's your preview and prediction for the game? Well, uh, first of all, I think what we've got to not let ourselves uh, do is to beat one of the uh, top sides in the division and then lose to a side who are further down the table because... Sometimes this season, our less impressive performances have come against sides who are lower down. Um, I think now Rowett has now got the team. He's got a buzz about the team. I think he does his homework on the uh, opponents that are coming up. He, he, he he, He names his team and he plays them to exploit the the opposition's weaknesses. Um, Millwall, you know, not to be underestimated, as I've said, but uh, I, I think um, we should have too much for them. Um, I don't think we'll thrash them. We, uh, with the exception of Full City, we haven't really thrashed anybody this season. We've ground out a lot of uh, victories. I know we won 3 0 at uh, Middlesbrough. But uh, it's one of those games, it's one where obviously you're going to go into it with a lot of confidence, but uh, you've got to keep your feet on the ground because it could also turn out to be a banana skin. But uh, a 1-0 or a 2-0 victory is is what I think uh, should be on the cards uh, come next Saturday tea time. Yeah, I'd predict a 2-0 victory to Derby, actually. I think they'll they'll win 2-0 again next weekend. Um, but Millwall, they're doing quite well this season, to be honest. Um, to say they're probably tipped to get relegated, they, they're, sl- they're slowly climbing the table and obviously had a great victory against um, Middlesbrough uh, this weekend. They beat them 2-1. So, But if I'm going to put it out there, yeah, I'd say that Derby should be taking the points in this one, especially with, obviously, the run of form that you're on. Uh, but then, obviously, Kev, Leeds United take on Hull City. What's your preview and prediction for this game? Um, I was a bit disappointed that Hull City got sacked, actually, the other week, because I was hoping he'd be still there by the time we played him. <laughs> I bet you were. I bet you were, yeah. <laughs> but, because Adkins, obviously, you get a new manager in, obviously, new ideas, and the team sort of peps up a little bit. They, they got a good win against Brentford, I believe, the other week. Um, so, it's going to be a tough game, obviously, because Adkins will be coming to Ireland to try and prove a point as well. Uh, but I think it'll be another doggy performance, similar to yesterday's performance, really. I don't think there'll be much in it. Maybe 1-0, 2-1 to Leeds. I think we will should have enough to win the game. Because um, we've got to start performing at home again now. We've only won five home games this season. We, we should be winning more than that. So I'm hoping we'll finish. It's been our final home game of the year as well. So it'd be nice to finish it on a high. We've been getting good gates at Ellen Road all season. Well over 30,000 for most of it. And I can see another big gate on Saturday as well. And it'd be nice to finish the home season 
uh, home year, should I say, with a, a good victory that keeps us in, in or around the playoffs. It's a, I'm pretty soon a victory, but it won't be an easy one with the new manager for Hull being there. Yeah, I think Leeds United will have too much for Hull City on the day. I know Hull are slowly, you know, with the new manager, Adkins, the, you know, they're a work in progress. And I think Hull City will be fine this season. I think they will slowly climb the table. But I think on the day, I think I'd predict that Leeds would probably win 2-1 as well. Um, I can't see nothing more than three points for Leeds on the day. Uh, but Sheffield Wednesday, they face Middlesbrough. Um <laughs> Again, this is interesting because we've both mentioned that uh, Carvajal and Monk, you know, potential candidates to, to be sacked in the new year. And I think both teams will probably be afraid to lose this one. Um, obviously, Asomba Long is the, the striker to look out for for the opposition in, in my sense. And he scored 11 goals this season. But I think it'll be a bit of a nervy affair. I just hope to God Sheffield Wednesday can put in a decent performance as well as, you know, picking up points. I mean, I'd love to say Wednesday are going to go and win this game. But like I say, I think both sides are going to be afraid to lose. So I can't look past this being a draw, if I'm honest. If I'm going to predict a result, I would I would say it's probably going to be 1-1. And again, you know, by Christmas, with neither team's moved up or gone any further in the league. Um, I mean, we're starting... Just pretend you're playing Leeds, Louis, you should be all right. Forget well, that's, that's what's so frustrating <laughs> is because when, obviously, as you know more than anybody, the, the game when we played Leeds United, when we beat you 3-0, is the best yeah. performance we've had at home this season. And, uh, yeah. and, and at the time, I came on the podcast and we were thinking, right, we can kick on from here, we can slowly oh. climb the table. And, and if anything, that game just stands out now as uh, the best game we've probably had at home all season and every other yeah. game has been bang average except, you know, when we beat Fulham away and, and, and that's about it, if I'm, if I'm honest. So this game against Middlesbrough, yeah, nervy affair and I'm just going to predict a one-all draw. And we're, but we're, we're, you know, we're struggling to score goals and, you know, we're conceding as many as we do score as well at minute. So, yeah, I'm going to have to say a draw um, in that game. Uh, but unfortunately, guys, with that, we are out of time. Um, so if you'd just like to let everyone know where they can find you or any projects you are involved in, now would be a good time. Hi, Andy Buckley-Taylor uh, on Twitter, at BuckTaylor64, uh, writing a blog for the Derbyshire Times group of newspapers. And could I say, as this is likely to be my last podcast before Christmas, season's greetings to all contributors and listeners. Yeah, I'm Kevin Markey, editor of Leeds United Mad. Uh, Twitter handle is Leeds United underscore Mad. Uh, I am editor of the Leeds United Mad website. I'll also be on Sportsline Leeds tomorrow night on the Maiden Leeds channel. So any local people tune into that and you'll see a little video of me pre- uh, reviewing the game yesterday in a jolly sort of way. And uh, have a jolly Christmas, everybody. Yeah, guys, um, you're your host, so you can follow me on Twitter at Louis Shackshaft, or you can check out my website, louisshackshaft.com, uh, where you can view all my work on there, in the articles, my blogging, uh, interviews, and Sheffield Wednesday statistics. You can check those out. Um, again, Merry Christmas to everyone, if I don't speak to you beforehand, um, but Merry Christmas to all our listeners, and obviously a Happy New Year. We will still be recording over the next few weeks so you can check out those shows so remember to subscribe and download those Uh, and also remember to follow or tweet us at championship pod on twitter 
So thank you for listening and we hope you join us next time. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.